Hello and welcome to Quarter Time Podcast in partnership with Level Netball. I'm Lucy G. And I'm Lucy P. And we're here to bring you all the netball goodness you never knew you needed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to season three, episode two. And what an incredible season opener, Luce. Wasn't it just mm. brilliant on Saturday? So much netball, just hook it into my veins. <laughs> <laughs> it was really interesting as well. There was a lot to talk about. So, Luce, what's coming up on today's show? Yeah, lots to talk about indeed. So, today we'll be giving you our three word summaries and taking a detailed look at the key talking points and questions from each game. We'll also be highlighting our game of the round and we're bringing back the quarter time trio, which we haven't I had for that. quite some time. Yeah. So, we'll be taking a look at the shooter, mid quarter, and the defender who we thought really excelled from round one. And to help us with this, we're delighted to be joined by Netball Scotland performance director and former England Rose, is the wonderful Karen Atkinson. Welcome, Karen. How are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. How are you? Not too bad. Delighted to have you. Brilliant to have you, Karen. And we, we, obviously, we know that you're working closely with Sirens, but you've got a, a pretty good picture of the overall league, having been around the league for how many years now? Probably since the beginning? It was since the beginning, yeah. I played in the uh, inaugural season back in 2005, I think it was. Um, wow. Did the first year for Loughborough Lightning and then moved down to Hertfordshire Mavericks, as they were known then, and played there and then coached and then went back to Loughborough for coaching. Amazing. What a journey. Yeah, we were talking with Tamsin last week and we we're like, oh, yeah, this is a team you know really well, Wasps and oh, yeah, and Mavericks and and Sirens and, <laughs> and Storm. <laughs> everyone, you know, everyone gets around a bit in netball, don't they? Great to have you with us again, Karen. But before we get into some of the games, what were your overall impressions of the first five games of Netball Super League 2023? I loved it. So I went to Nottingham Arena and watched the first two games live. So I watched Lightning um, v Bath and then I watched Siren Storm. Unfortunately, in the afternoon, I had my um, eldest son's birthday party. So I, then I caught up on the other three um, on Sky, which was fantastic. I thought it was a great scene setter for the entire season. I think it really showed the calibre of some of the teams, but also how competitive I think this league's going to get. So although some of the score lines might have been a bit... A uh, bit of a blowout in the end. I think um, there'll be a lot of progression as the season goes on. Yeah, I think so. I think the the season open is always really interesting because you really get to see what the teams are, how they're shaping up. In pre-season, you don't necessarily get to see the full picture, especially if you've got teams with England Roses players or other internationals not yet in the setup. So I think we saw a little bit of what we can expect, but definitely more still to come. Something that stuck out for us was actually the number of uh, cautions and warnings that were handed out in this opening round. I think the umpires were really hot on that. We had a warning for Summer Artman, cautions for Vincumbu, Maxwell, Flanagan, Rothwell, Zaranika, O'Hanlon, Everett McGee, Claire Jones and Shaquanda Grunol, which is, <laughs> I, I would say that must be a record for the highest number of cautions handed out in one day. I actually think Elle McDonald got one as well. I was watching another and replay she... and I noticed, what, yeah, so that's what, 11, I think? Oh my goodness me. Karen, what, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think this is part of a concerted effort to clamp down on infringements? Yeah, possibly. And I did notice that in the in the couple of games that I watched live. And I think it's it's a really tricky one because I also think in the games it was it was happening a lot down one end and then not down the other. So that's quite difficult for the teams. But, you know, it's part of their job. They've got to adapt and understand what's being blown. And some of it's really good in terms of tidying up the game and setting the tone really early. But others I felt were quite soft, 
calls mm. really and it, and it was almost a build-up or you've done this too many times I'm now going to give you a caution so I think you know it, it's tough for the umpires as it is for the players so I think they just need to get a balance with that set the tone stop any dangerous kind of consistent play that's happening from infringements but then also let the let the game flow and not have too much whistle yeah exactly that's what that's where I am as well with it it's that letting the game flow but also keeping a lid on it because sometimes Mm -hmm. we know that if if you do let things carry on then it gets to the third quarter when players are tired and maybe the stakes are higher and actually there's a sense you should have intervened earlier but I saw that the umpires were all having a kind of Conflab, I don't know what the word for it formally <laughs> is, but kind of you know, conference or something afterwards to kind of discuss. So it'd be really interesting to see how the umpires progress in the season and how we can even out some of those just little inconsistencies end to end and and kind of umpire to umpire as well. But diving straight into some of our game analysis with that first game, which was obviously Team Bath versus Loughborough Lightning, with Lightning taking a huge win, 86 to 52. I mean, that was sensational, Luce. What did you mm. make of that game? Me? Oh, yeah, I mean... you, Luce. The other Luce. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I mean, this game absolutely blew my socks off from a lightning perspective. And my three-word summary was not very creative, unfortunately, when <laughs> lightning strikes. They mm. just, they were phenomenal. And I think it's fair to say that this was a bit of a car crash for Bath and not the way that they would have wanted to start their season. But for lightning, it was just dreamy. They got, I think, almost or if not every single player on court. I think it was also their highest ever score that they've recorded in the Super League in their history. Yeah. You know, that third quarter was particularly devastating 7 <laughs> to 24 which was the highest quarter score of the entire round like it, it they were just clinical and ruthless and relentless it was amazing i, I mean a, a question i have for you karen as a squad if from a team bath perspective how do you come back from such a hefty defeat and kind of refocus yourself ahead of the the rest of the season yeah, I think it's really tough and I agree with you in terms of Lightning's dominance there and, you know, a 34-goal loss for Bath is going to really hurt in round one. But they've also got to be quite realistic in that they've lost Borgia, Shaw, Moeni, Gusketh, Estiel, Pavlin. That's that's a lot of experience and leadership on their It's pretty court. much a starting seven. Mm. It is, it is. Mm. And as I was watching them and I, I was kind of thinking, where where is the leadership coming from from on the court, not necessarily off and within their environment? Um, and none of them could grab the game by the scruff of the neck and almost just do the basics well and just stop the bleeding of lightning extending that lead. So it's tough, but I think hopefully they'll just have a sense of realism in terms of, you know, in my opinion, lightning should and hope and will be in the final, I think. And and they're rebuilding so that they can they can park it, but just learn from it really, really quickly. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about that inexperience. I think they've actually got the youngest average age within their squad of 24. I think it was 22 uh, prior to the signing of Mtakule, um, who will obviously be over in a few weeks' time once the visa sorted. But that that leadership element is kind of what I expected Kadeen Corbin to be able to bring. But I actually thought that Lightning did a, a brilliant job of pushing them really wide. They kind of really kept her out of the game. I think their full court defence was phenomenal. You know, looking at the stats, they had 16 intercepts to Bath 7, 17 turnovers to Bath 9. Uh, and I think Kadeen 
particularly struggled more in this game than I've ever seen her in recent years. Yeah, and- I've just checked loose and four unforced errors for Kadeen, only eight goals and, you know, three penalties. It, it wasn't It wasn't a good outing from her perspective. Yeah, and I think it's tough for her, obviously, being that experienced head and the one who is sort of expected to, to bring that leadership. But Karen, for you, what was the kind of missing ingredient in Bath's attack end? Um, I think it is that. I think it's just a level of control that that's needed and 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 is expected from experienced players like Kadeen she should be delivering that now with her age and experience and similarly the likes of Imogen Allison bringing it through it would have been interesting maybe to see Imogen in the middle and what she could have brought to the attacking end but that's yeah. really difficult because they've lost key players defensively so they're trying to um, create a structure there with a young defensive end as well so They've got some things to figure out in Bath in terms of what is the starting lineup. How can they bring a sense of calm and control to their attacking end? And because they were leaking so much ball in attack, the ball was coming fast and furious down to their defensive end. And and at one point, I watched it thinking the the defensive pressure is non-existent. Lightning were just mm-hmm. slicing through them. So they've got both ends to fix. I think, and it'll be just mm. interesting to see how they tweak around with their starting lineup. I thought Sophie Kelly came on and ha- actually had a real impact. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily on the scoreboard, but how they were playing and she was getting on the ball. She was very calm. She was going to post even mm. from distance, which I think helped just open up that lightning defensive circle. Yeah, she just got stuck in for me and it really changed the way that they played when she was on court. I was really impressed with her so, for someone so young as well. Like she's got such a bright future. But you talk about that kind of consistency, which is something that Lightning have in spades. And in fact, their Lightning's lowest quarter score of the game was Bath's highest quarter score of, of 19 <laughs> apiece, which just kind of tells you the whole story of the game, really. What is it about Lightning that makes them so consistent, even when they bring new people in? Obviously, Dixon this year, um, they had Fran Williams in 2022. I know it's not wholesale changes, which would obviously help, but there's what's that kind of magic thing that they've got that makes them so consistent? Um, I don't think it is anything magic. I think they have built over time and it's really impressive how they've built you know probably about eight seasons ago they were sitting at the bottom of the table I worked there for a few years and the initial job when going there was to create a better program and then recruit the athletes who would want to be part of that program and now the likes of you know Sarah Francis Bayman when she was there now Vicky Burgess are continuing to take that forward and it's a combination of building a program that is so good that it makes players want to stay there and then um, when the youngsters come in they've got the right caliber of player who are leaders on and off the court and those two things are not the same you know Nat Panagari is excellent at both someone like Hannah mm-hmm. Joseph has hugely stepped up with the last couple of seasons and how much ball she takes how she gets on the ball is fantastic and then you add to that a massive target like Mary Cholock and then that's really difficult so it's a combination of a lot of different things but they retain players well because their program is now so good at Loughborough. Yeah and it's interesting you mentioned Hannah Joseph there because that brings us nicely onto our quarter time trio and she was your pick in the midcourt so tell us about Hannah's performance this weekend Karen. She was outstanding. I, I mean, I'm a big Hannah Joseph fan anyway. Um, I think she has huge, massively grown during her Super League career from this this 
kid, I'll say kid, she'll, <laughs> she'll kill me for saying that, who was quite, who wasn't particularly confident and would get really down every time she'd make an error, to someone who's just shoulders back, dominate, just attack the middle of the court, release the ball. How she moves the ball now is is sensational. And you wouldn't, I don't think you would have noticed Imogen Allison on the court on Saturday because Hannah just dominated that attack third. So, um, yeah, she was my standout player. And it's hard for someone like Hannah to get lost in a game where you're putting 80-odd goals on the board. Uh, but she was just tearing that court apart. It was, it was impressive to see. Yeah, 31 feeds. And she had an intercept and a turnover to her name as well. So putting in a shift defensively. And I don't even think she played the full game. I think no, they took her off no. You know, in the last quarter. She is just one of the most consistent players in the league. She's always top on the feeds. And I think that connection, it's almost telepathic between her and, and Mary mm. Cholock under the post. It's, it's so, so difficult to stop. Yeah, great pick. I 100% agree with you on that, Karen. Moving on to our second game of the day, which was Storm versus Sirens and Storm taking the win 68 to 56. And Karen, what's your three-word summary for this game? My three-word summary was first quarter dominance. Mm, absolutely. It was a 20 to 11 first quarter in favour of Storm. Why do you think they came out of the blocks so well? Um, I think it was a combina- combination of things. I think, you know, Storm should and if they're not, they've really got to have a hard look at themselves being the top four. Mm-hmm. Um, they've made some really key signings in the off-season, quality signings to add to an already, you know, kind of a decent roster that they had. And I think a lot of them, barring Sophie Drakeford-Lewis and Leila Guska, they'd had a decent amount of time together during the preseason. So, you know, their feeding of peace was really good. And I, But I think in, in contrast to that, Sarans probably looked a little bit nervous and Actually, there was just a handful of basic errors in that first quarter, which blew it out. There was an offside at the centre pass. There was an offside set in a penalty. There was a ball into hands. That's kind of six goals straight off the bat. So the reason for the three-word summary was actually after that first quarter, it was a really even game. So Mm. I think there's lots of positive sirens can take out of it. I thought they were really competitive. But I think both sides and Storm definitely will have to address this if they're really going to push into that top four and then try and get the final is actually how much ball are you winning? Because mm. I think there was a couple of, there was some standouts, you know, from Leila Guskas took a couple of really great interceptions. So did Amy Flanagan. But across the board against a rotating circle in Sirens who keep possession well, they didn't really turn over a lot of ball. And Beth and Goodwin, I thought was outstanding. You know, Peace is definitely outstanding down one end and Sirens have got to readdress how they win ball earlier and put more pressure on the, the long balls going into tall shooters. But Beth and Goodwin, for me, Storm didn't really have an answer to her. I think it was just more that they could capitalise quickly on their turnovers they did get and Sirens not quite as much with some of the unforced errors. Yeah, it's so difficult, isn't that? Because obviously when you do win the ball, it's such a rare opportunity usually that you've got to treasure it. And I do feel that sometimes, not that Sirens were wasteful, but just that they didn't quite um, make the most of those opportunities, like you say. And actually coming into this game, Sirens had won four of the last five meetings against Storm. But it's quite difficult. It's kind of apples and oranges because obviously Storm's side is so different this year. And, you know, there was a bit of chat on social media that Storm although they've signed all these superstars, they didn't totally dominate in this game in the way they were expecting them kind of after that first quarter. Do you think they underperformed slightly? Is there more to come from them? Yeah, I, I think they slightly underperformed. You know, they they should have won the game, which they did. Um, and I think 
but I actually think it was a fair contest. Apart, you know, that first quarter aside, it was a it was a really good contest. You know, it was a three goal game for the last three quarters. I think Storm will. It's it's round one. They're going to get better. I think they defensively they've got to figure out where they're going to win more ball because I think others like Lightning, the likes of Lightning, Thunder, etc., are going to tear through um, the defensive unit as it as it currently stands. But you know, they will grow. Um, and also, I think, you know, the the long ball to piece isn't going to work all the time. So what mm-hmm. have they got in their locker? What different styles of play? How do they bring Sophie Drakeford-Lewis into the game more? I think they've just got to figure out a few things so that they can just dominate teams a little bit more. But I think there's more to come from them. And there's probably more to come from Sirens as well, especially if they have a better start. Because I think they show glimpses of, you know, the Beth Dix, Beth, Beth and Goodwin combination I thought was brilliant. Once you got that first quarter out of the way, and if they get some consistency, then I think you know, kind of around that middle of the table, they'll cause people some problems. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. I think you can see the impact of yourself and Tamsin on the siren side in recent years. They're really growing, and it was it was just that that kind of first quarter blip. And I mean, McCall and Goodwin, Goodwin only missed three goals, and McCall only one, which is sensational you know and if they can fix that you know winning ball a bit earlier like you said you know in the defensive end uh, I think they they could be definitely challenging teams again this year we were surprised not to see Stella Oyella earlier on in this game is that just more to do with you know gently introducing her or or, or other factors do you think I think um it's it's a combination of things I think Beth and Goodwin and Eve McCall deserve their start and it's more around actually where does where can Stella make an impact? She's a mm. very different player. So for defenders, she'll cause really different headaches compared to Bethany and Neve. But as you just said there, actually getting ball, barring that first quarter, getting ball to Bethany and Neve was not an issue. Mm. It was more turning over ball. So Siren scored 56 goals. In a lot of games, that's going to win you a game, 56 yeah. goals. But it's just that the, the route to peace was so easy a lot of the time that you know, Storm have put on 68 goals. So mm. I think for Leslie, Leslie will probably reflect actually, you know, maybe a little bit earlier in that last quarter to introduce Stella just to make sure they know when and where they're going to inject her in future games because she will be needed across the season, whether it's Neve or whether it's Bethan that isn't having quite as good a game. She can really change the dynamics of that attack mm. end. We've seen her internationally a lot in the centre position for Uganda. And I wonder if that if that's something to explore for Sirens as well. Or do you think she's probably going to be seen more in the shooting end? I think she'll be seen more in the shooting end. She does slide quite naturally across to wing attack. So, if we, you know, if Sirens just need something different there, I think she brings a lot of versatility to the to Sirens side, which they've probably not had over the last couple of years. It's been a very clear starting seven with not a lot of impact changes. And that's where Sirens... Hopefully, if they start building and get a bit of consistency, can be better this year. So Nat Bright, who can come into Goldie or Wing D, um, Abby Robson and Kelly Boyle, they've got a few more options. But I think, yeah, Stella will be more kind of shooting end and maybe across onto the wing. Oh, mate, I'd love to be as versatile as that as a player. I can barely <laughs> do my goal shooter role, let alone goal attack, wing attack, centre. Centre is like my absolute worst nightmare. But um, yeah, I, there's so much more to come from this siren side. So really, really excited to see where they go throughout the season. Um, we're just going to take a short break now before we get stuck into Mavericks versus Stars. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know about you, Luce, but it gets to this point in the season and all I'm thinking about is getting new trainers, you know, when you're just <laughs> eyeing them up all the way through. I really just, I, I'm feeling it. Yeah, I love a bit of new stash, but I'm the type of person, I'll put all of these things into my basket, spend hours and hours looking around, but then I'll never actually go through with it. It just yeah. sits in my basket forevermore. It's so true. I know, honestly, can relate. But <laughs> luckily, Level Netball are offering a 15% discount on all first-time orders with code NETPOD15 at levelnetball.co.uk. So you're sorted. Yeah, and honestly, Level Netball is the place to go. Whatever you want, they've got absolutely everything. 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 Such a good range. Yeah. <laughs> so whether you're looking for trainers, you're looking for bibs, you're looking for supports, whatever yeah, you need. Yeah, sports bras, all of that stuff. Sports bras, exactly. Um, They have got you covered. So don't forget, that's a 15% discount of all first-time orders with the code NETPOD15 at levelnetball.co.uk. Love a bit of Level. Oh my God. Love a bit of level. Love a bit of level. (laughs) Happy shopping, guys. So moving on now to look at Mavericks versus Stars. And this was unsurprisingly our game of the round. And Mm. my three-word summary for this one was taken by surprise. And I have to say, a lot of people, us included, were a bit surprised by Stars' performance. And they were pretty much down at the bottom of the ladder, in in my prediction anyway. I don't know if maybe that was a bit naive now, looking back at this game. (laughs) But this was the first time that Stars have beaten Mavericks since 2018. And... I mean, it was just incredible because you thought after the first quarter, oh, okay, yeah, Mavs will probably take this away. I wrote in my notes, oh, you know, Mavs started well, they'll probably take this. And then it was just a complete turnaround, that third quarter particularly. And Karen, do you think there's some real power to be harnessed in being the underdog? Absolutely. And I think not not only are they the underdog in terms of where they finished last year, they Joe Tripp's recruited a lot of players. Whether and, you know, some of it's probably intentionally, and some of it's players that were available who have kind of spilled out of other franchises. You maybe not got a contract with another fran- the, their previous franchise and needed somewhere to go. So you've got players there who really want to prove a point as well. So not they've not played for stars before, but they want to prove that you know they can they can perform in the Super League. And why have you released me from another franchise? And that's really powerful. And I think what Joe Tripp has also done well is. Is created a sim or what it looks like is created a simple game plan that they've all bought into. And I think whoever was commentating on the, that game referred to that they're probably the team who's had their whole squad for the majority of the preseason. And I think you mm-hmm. could see that in terms of just some of the connections that they had built, um, especially the feeders into the circle, their defensive unit. So yeah, the, there's a lot of power in being the underdog, whether it's just personally as an individual or as a full team. Yeah, I think it's fascinating because like you say, all those individual players who maybe didn't quite get contracts or get the court time, like this is now their opportunity to really stamp their authority and and kind of show the world what they're made of. And I think it's just absolutely fascinating to see. But I think the the key sort of talking point for me from this game, and we mentioned it in our preview episode as well, is Joe Tripp, who not only was this her first game coming out of retirement, but it was also her first game as player coach and she got player of the match. She's also <laughs> won our coveted quarter time trio defender spot as well. She was my pick for the defender spot. Yeah, you know, she had she had a rebound, she had five intercepts, which was most on court for either side. She had two deflections, seven turnovers first game since uh, retiring in 2021 
how vital is the experience that someone like Joe brings to a new side, a, a, a literally brand new side of all these different players? How vital is her experience? Yeah, absolutely. It's gonna it's gonna set the tone for them, and I think that's a perfect start for her in terms of how she's able to juggle that player coach role. It's a really difficult task and then perform as she did as well mm-hmm. as kind of giving that information and that confidence to the rest of the team. So, you know, she has a lot of experience. She's very knowledgeable, um, especially in that defensive end. So she's kind of, it looks like she's set up a defensive structure that's going to work for them. So it was, it's not quite a zone, but it's very kind of the, they're about five foot, off the player, trying to, you know, stop any of the cuts through the middle. And then Joe just did a brilliant job at the back, just confusing the space. Like like you said, in that first quarter, Mav started, they were finding Ventnor so easily, just straight over the top of Lucy Herdman. And Lucy Herdman's a great player. She's difficult mm-hmm. to get ball over, but they were just pinging it in from anywhere. But when Joe slid to the back, it made a big difference. And Sometimes I rewatch that game. Sometimes I was like, oh my God, why did you put that there? Looking at <laughs> looking at the Mavs feeders. But, you know, it is the work that Joe's done. But I think mm-hmm. Mavs will go, go away and look at that and realise what basic fundamental feeding errors they made. Yeah. And I mean, obviously it was Joe's first test as a Super League head coach, but it was also the same for Camilla, you know, at that level. And in the post-match interview, we spoke to her uh, briefly and she said that she wanted to leave the players out there to coach them through it, but also kind of said that this didn't necessarily work in the way that she'd hoped. And perhaps she did leave them out there for too long when things weren't going well. I mean, that third quarter was, you know, 19-12 in favour of Stars, which just completely turned the game on its head. How difficult is it to make those kind of coaching decisions, especially given the pressure of it being the opening weekend? Uh, It's so difficult. And I don't, (laughs) I think people kind of, who don't sit in those shoes of a a Super League head coach with the pressure and not not just, you've got your own pressure, the pressure you put on yourself, you've got the external pressure, you've got your pressure from within your group and the players because everybody wants to be on court so it's very difficult because there's nothing to be gained really from chopping and changing your squad all the time you need a level of consistency but when and particularly in a tight game when and how you make those changes can can make or break a a scoreline and you don't know necessarily whether it's going to be or will be successful until the end of the game so you're really just you're going with your gut a lot of the time, you know, how long do I leave these t- these players out there when I put somebody on? Is it going to have a positive or negative effect? You don't always know. You, you'll know over time, either through experience or if you have consistency of player group, that really helps. But yeah, that would have been a tricky, tricky decisions to make for Camilla. Mm. And sometimes it's kind of it's a bit of trial and error as well, because sometimes one week your players can be absolutely sensational. I mean, Sasha Corbin, you would put your money on her having a, a, a pretty good day at the office most weeks. But she had five unforced errors in this game. And, and, you know, it's it's so difficult as a coach to know. But I think there's you know, we can expect some more good things from Mavericks this year. I, I probably stand by my prediction that they won't make the top four and I think this yeah. this performance has probably cemented that kind of in my mind but it's a long season mm. who knows it's similar to um Bath as well in that actually uh, as I was watching it and I know they've got Raz Kwashi to come back in and she'll make a big difference defensively because I'm not sure what they were quite setting up defensively the Mavs group but um it's the on-court leadership like who when this is 
kind of the momentum swinging. I don't think there's enough on-court leaders at this moment in time. And that's similar to Bath in that you've got a new group. You've got a lot of youngsters. You've got Kira Rothwell coming in. Um, you've got young mid-quarters. You know, so for me, Sasha Corbin and Jodie Gibson on that court are experienced leaders. They've got mm. to control the game, really basic centre-pass to goal, turnover to goal. Um, and I didn't quite see that on Saturday. Yeah, I also thought Gibson back at goalkeeper, I I mean, I personally feel she's a bit wasted there. I mean, she had a fantastic game, six turnovers on her own, but I, I do think she needed that extra space and she's such a good goal defence that maybe they need to figure out where they're building it around her. And obviously that that missing piece of Razkwashi is quite crucial as well. But I think you were saying there about leaders, but I mean, the leader for Mavericks was playing for the other team, Gabby Marshall. You know, she <laughs> had a fantastic game against her old side and I think really cemented her place in, in that new yeah. side as well. Um, moving on then to look at the fourth game of the day, which was Rhinos versus Pulse and Rhinos, uh, unfortunately losing in this one, 48 to 64. And Karen, what was your three word summary for this game? My three-word summary was pulse youngsters shine. Mm. Yeah, I think that it's undoubted that that they had a fantastic game. Who particularly stood out for you from a youngster's perspective? Um, I think, I mean, I thought Barry Neal was exceptional and kind of digressing away from that, I thought there was a lot of young goal attacks that were exceptional on Saturday. Yeah, Uh, And part of my kind of questioning was around actually is it because they were playing with a really dominant goal shooter so they were being left alone quite a lot or is it their the skill level and everything they've been working on the preseason and it's probably a combination of both but um i thought Barry Neal really stood out um Fumi was exceptional as she always is at one stage i thought oh is she is this quite a quiet game for Fumi and then immediately as you say that she comes out with a couple of yeah. steps right, <laughs> right off the bat the same, yeah <laughs> and i thought um you know, Ratu and Skulls, when they came on kind of late third quarter into the fourth quarter, were fantastic. And actually, this game, there was it was only a seven goal game at three quarter time. So for, for me, actually, although although Pulse were good and they've got so many options and they will be in top four, I thought there were a lot of positives for Rhinos considering they were lose, they were missing four of their players who probably will be in that starting lineup. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And you mentioned Barry Neal there. She is the third member of our quarter time trio. How did you guess? Um, obviously the shooter. Um, and she shot 29 goals playing the first half in goal attack and then moving to goal shooter. I really like how versatile she is across those two positions. Mm-hmm. We said it a couple of years ago. She's baby Helen Housby, in my yeah. view. And I think we didn't see that much of her last season. And I really hope we do see more of her this time because she combined so well with Liv Cheen and just her speed on the goal line is is so so difficult to stop so very very impressive from her she reminds me of a a Cara Conan in that sense of that like deceptivity is that is that a word her deceptiveness that's more English (laughs) it's a new word it's a new word I'm going with it um yeah her deceptiveness on the goal line is just that like step change that she does it's incredible so good. She's a tall player as well. And sometimes yeah. the taller players can't are not as quick. And it, when you've got that combination of the height and speed, it's mm. so dangerous for Pulse. And I, I actually thought in this game that the youngsters 
possibly stood up more than necessarily some of their more experienced players. I don't think Chelsea Pittman necessarily had the most sensational game. She was kind of sometimes running into other people's space. I don't know if that's to do with them having not had that much time together, obviously with um, her and Jade being out on international duty, etc. But there's been quite a lot about spoken about how they kind of balance the number of England players they have, how they'll manage and rotate the talent. You know, in the starting lineup alone for this game, they had five current Roses, one future Rose and one ex-Rose. And across the squad in total, there's eight players in the Roses and Roses Futures programme, plus three in the Roses Academy. So what did impress you about that side? And where do you think that Pulse can be exposed? I think they started with a lineup that I thought they would they would start with and they would start with their experienced recruits in Jade and Chelsea and I think Jade and Chelsea are going to have a lot of impact on that squad both off the court and in the training environment as well so the the learning you know I understand what Sam is looking at there in terms of the learning that they're going to get you know I think a lot of people are questioning the amount of court time these future England stars who are going to you know they're going to play for England in Eliratu, um, Alicia Scholes etc in the future and they showed what quality they have in that last quarter. I think I agree with you. I think someone like Jade is extremely solid. She is going to have a really low error rate, which you don't often get with youngsters, um, especially when the pressure comes on. So I think Jade will be used quite a lot. But I think it's it'll be interesting to see how Sam manages the group and what roles she gives them, because I actually think the likes of Jade and Chelsea could be really good impact players and almost finish a game where the youngsters get get them a really good foothold into. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how it's going to play out over the season. I think it's going to be really interesting. You know, managing all their expectations off the court is a big job. It's not it's not a job that you can't do, but it's a big job. It's going to require a lot of player management, you know, a lot of feedback, a lot of understanding their purpose during any given game. Um, but it'll just be interesting to see how it pans out. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm so excited to see how they develop, and particularly for me, list goals. I think there's a lot of talk about, like you say, with the court time. I don't think she's quite ready for that starting wing attack position yet. And for her to have the ability to learn from someone like a Chelsea Pittman is just invaluable. But for me, with so many roses on court, it's kind of you would expect them naturally to absolutely be in that top four, if not the final. Where do you think that they can be picked apart and exposed? That's a really good question. I think um, I'm not sure Rhinos applied a lot of defensive pressure to them. I think I think they they made it difficult at times, but it was quite easy for them to kind of get first and second phase depth to mm. slice through them on a through court. I think teams that are on their game defensively, I think, could turn over quite a lot of ball. So if they get kind of stuck into Liv Sheen um, and her positional space, you know, I'm just thinking the likes of Kerry Almond kind of getting around Mm. and getting ball with the dogged kind of goldies, wingdies that they'll have out in front of them. That'll make life difficult for them. So I think that'll be interesting. I think defensively they're going to be, they're going to grow as as the season goes on, which is what they did last year. Um, And they're going to, just get better at that structure, which brings Fumi into the game, you know, where Zara Everett's mother in the past and then the ball gets lifted and she comes and turns over ball. So I think teams will have to be really clinical with the ball to get through them defensively, but I think there's ball to be won off their attack end. 
Yeah, and it's interesting you talk about that kind of dogged defence. Obviously, Rhinos were missing a Vicky Oyosola, who is, I think, one of the most dogged and, and gritty players that our league has. I absolutely love her. And we know she was out due to concussion protocols. But Rhinos as a whole were missing arguably four of their starting seven players. You had Nia Jones out, Vicky Oyosola, Nicola Smith, Elmarie Vanderberg. The two South Africans haven't been with Rhinos for the entire of pre-season. They, they've yet to even get to England to be able to integrate themselves into the squad. For Liana Diota, what is going to be that key thing that they'll need to do to integrate Nicholas Smith and Vandenberg into the squad so late in the day? It, it's going to be tough. And mm. at this stage, I don't think anybody knows when they're going to arrive because I think basically I think Netball South Africa put some protocols in place for any of their injured players that they had to remain in South Africa until they were at a certain level of their return to play protocol. So one, I'm not sure when they're coming over. And two, when they get over, it's going to be it's going to be a, a gradual introduction. Potentially, it depends. Potentially, not for say Nicola Smith because they, you know, she is going to create a big presence in the back there, and that'll be an easier integration than it will be for an attacker. Just because actually, the defensive stuff, you know, she can she'll be able to visually see what's happening in front of her. She'll be able to do her own job, whereas an attacker's really got to look at how the rest of the attacking unit operates. And Vandenberg, she's a she's a big goal attack and can slide into goal shooter, so they might just introduce her very slowly because actually they've got goal attacks I thought Paige Reed was doing a good job mm. um I wondered whether Rhinos I thought Brie Grierson came on and you know she probably missed a few crucial shots under the post which would have kept the scoreline a little bit closer as to whether Paige Reed would be introduced again um in that fourth quarter it might have helped because I think Rhinos although it was seven goals in it uh, going into the last quarter they then only scored one goal in the last six and a half minutes of an entire game. So that shows the dominance of Pulse in that back end with their youngsters on court. But it is going to be hard for Liana. I'm not sure she would have predicted this type of pre-season for her squad. Yeah, that's really, really tough for them. And I, I completely agree. Actually, I thought Paige Reed was playing a blind. I was really surprised when she came off and I don't think Brie Grierson had a particularly good game. I'm still not 100% convinced, actually, that she... Is a goal attack. I would no. almost prefer for her to specialise in wing attack because mm, I think she's totally so agree. damn good at that. But yeah, really, really interesting. And hopefully, fingers crossed, Smith and Vandenberg will be over soon because I cannot wait to see what they can they can bring to the league. And moving on to our final game of the round, it was Thunder versus Dragons with Thunder taking a big win, 68 to 42. And my three-word summary is 24-game streak. They are still undefeated from their 2022 season. And just, again, so dominant. I was a little bit sceptical when we saw how many big names they lost last year, whether they would make top four. I thought they might just be in that fifth position, but they've completely shut me up. Like I'm eating my <laughs> words for breakfast, lunch and dinner. It, it was a great game. What did you make of it, Luce? Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought that game Thunder just came and just dominated from the first whistle pretty much. I think, you know, in the last five meetings, Dragons have lost to Thunder by around uh, by an average of 22 goals. And the last meeting prior to this one was actually only nine goals. But then this one, 
Thunder just really cemented that that dominant position. It reminded me of what Tamsin said in our episode last week about how with Dragons having potential to come, you know, there was rumours about could they upset mm. teams? You know, that was the kind of word on the street. I think Thunder just saw this game as a one where they really wanted to stamp their authority. They probably saw that lightning score and thought, yeah, <laughs> yeah I think we're going to have a slice of that, actually. Um, but from a Dragons perspective, they were obviously missing the star shooter Georgia Rowe for this game, which will had you know a, a massive impact, um, and Chelsea and I think, Lewis and Chelsea, Chelsea Lewis, who probably well. would have been their next one. And when I spoke to Danny afterwards, you know, she talked about how they've been training with a holding shooter, and then suddenly in this game coming up against the champions, they were you know having a, a, a totally different circle. But yeah, Thunder just completely dominant in this game. Six unforced errors to Dragons 13, just four missed shots in the entire game. And they had that 17 goal lead at halftime. I just think, I mean, Thunder seem to have just this ruthless mentality when it comes to winning. Karen, where do you think that comes from? Well, I'm, I'm fortunate to have come through the Greater Manchester pathway as a, as a youngster myself, um, even though it's now changed a lot because of being embedded with the franchises. But I think um, it stems from when you're very, very young in the Northwest. And, uh, you know, although Manchester Thunder Pathway do a really good job, it, it comes from even earlier than that in terms of the youth club structure up there and the skills they develop and also how competitive it is to play a under 10s, under 11s, under 12s within Greater Manchester and the amazing clubs that clubs that they have up there. So you get these kids that come through with a really good basic level of of skill already and mm. they're competing against each other all the time. So it's a it's a breeding ground for competitive, tough-minded players, which mm. you see, you know, the likes of Carter, uh, McKevitt, who are now that next generation of Thunder players coming through. So it was typically solid from my perspective. You know, it, I think she may not have, but it looked like there were some predicted changes that Karen Gregg made in terms of the types of lineup she wanted to see across the game. And I think, you know, they didn't even play Van der Merwe in the, in the game either. And they won by 20. Yeah, I didn't even that. <laughs> 26 goals. So, uh, you know, I, I you know, I, I think like everybody, you there's always alarm is the likes of um, Ellie Cardwell, Malcolm and Mavula, who've yeah. been such stalwarts for Thunder. But, you know, to me, I always knew, knew they'd still be there and thereabouts with the type of squad. Um, and, and I think it's been really smart getting back some of their youngsters that have been plying their trade elsewhere um, and then just having still some experienced internationals sprinkled in. Yeah, it was just thunder doing thunder things really just yep. <laughs> you know business as usual just go out there and kick some butt but I mean from from a dragon's perspective like I actually really enjoyed a lot of what they did I think Gabby Sinclair in particular that kind of star sh- shooting signing I thought she brought so much experience into that attacking line she took on a lot of the shooting responsibility as a goal attack she had 32 goals in this game as a goal attack that is enormous what what did you make of her super league debut yeah I I thought she did really well and I thought you know when they get those target shooters back I think they will cause some damage um, across the league she's incredibly accurate she's creative she's you know she's not afraid when she's on the ball so she's a great signing and I do think that they you know along with some of the other like particularly rhinos and sirens who've shown some signs that we um, this weekend they're also going to get better and I think they've got quite an exciting defensive unit as well you know, I don't think they made it 
really easy for thunder. Thunder are just quite clinical, so they're not afraid to keep possession, go back to the line, recycle it. But they didn't have it their own way. So I think there's, there were some positive signs. I don't think um, Danny Titmus morris should, should be too disheartened by that weekend. I think it's, mm. you know, it is what it is. We didn't have our target shooters. We still managed to do some really good things and then on to the next. Yeah, for, absolutely. I, I think there's still some work to do, obviously, when the shooters are back in attack in terms of their timing. I sometimes found that Shona Dwyer in particular, just the timing was just a little bit off, just too early on some of those drives. But if they can fix that and bring the shooters back in, I, you know, I still maintain they absolutely can take some scalps this season. Yeah, and- Hannah Layton is a menace. Oh, I love her. Yeah. Love, love, yes. love her. Yeah, Hannah's just growing at a very rapid, rapid rate, doing great things for Scotland. You know, she's also pretty lethal at wing defence as well. So mm. I think it's more for Danny as well, which, you know, most of the teams are figuring out, apart from those who've got some quite established lineups like Lightning, is where, what is your best lineup? And although you don't want to be swinging around too much in these opening um, weeks, you can kind of just t- um, tinker with it slightly to go, okay, this is actually more effective than this one um, and these are my impact changes so yeah Hannah's just growing as a player and just both in defense and in attack yeah yeah she's just incredible I think as well one thing we haven't mentioned from the opening round as a whole is the return of a number quite a large number actually of players who have come back from injury like you know Amy Carter's back this season Elia McCormick Hallie Adio I know had an awful knee injury and you know she wasn't sure whether she'd be back for this season 18 months it's been since she last played yeah exactly and I think seeing all of those names there's more that I can't think of off the top of my head as well seeing them all come back has just been amazing I've really really loved it yeah it's difficult as well as an injured player to come back when maybe the team's or not moved on but the teams evolved it's without changed you. around you yeah yeah and so kind of integrating them back in I think will be really interesting to see I loved Amy Carter I think she's been outstanding and I was devastated for her when she when she had the inju- injury but it's almost a case of coming back stronger as as well isn't it so yeah she was fantastic so Karen just before we wrap up final thoughts on the season opener and your top four predictions please oh um I thought it was. I think thought it was a great season opener. I think what it's kind of confirmed to me, which I thought before, is that I think the top four is fairly clear, which is not maybe a great position to be in um, <laughs> around one of the season. But I think they've just got such dominance in Thunder, Lightning, um, Pulse, and Storm, and and it's almost more that if they don't make the top four, well, what did you do wrong? You either had yeah. a major injury or two, which we don't wish on anybody. Or you've really underperformed, and that's as I think it's really clear cut in my from my perspective. The really exciting thing that it's shown, I think, is that teams five to ten, I think, could beat each other on any given day. And yeah. I don't think we've ever had that before. And I also think they could take a scalp of the top four, mm. but I don't think it will upset the top four in terms of their consistency across the season. But you could see one, two, three of them taking one of them down you know, kind of mm-hmm. here and there across the season. So although I think the top four is quite predictable or it should be predictable based on their squads, I think it'll lend for an exciting season across the board. 
Yeah, because I love when there's these kind of mini battles going on. So you've obviously got the top four, but then you've got the top eight, you know, the teams who are kind of vying for that. Um, and even just those kind of internal rivalries, like I always love a kind of dragons versus sirens sort of derby. You know, all mm. of that stuff is, is really exciting. It makes every week super interesting. Well, Karen, thank you so much. That obviously brings us to the end of round one of the Netball Super League. We are recording this on Monday and there is a rearranged fixture between Surrey Storm and seven stars happening tonight but unfortunately it's not being streamed so do check out our social media for the scores and a quick summary of that one but just to say a massive thank you to Karen for coming on the podcast it was fantastic to hear your insight and just all of your level of knowledge and detail it's it's invaluable for us netball fans so big thank you again and best of luck the rest of the season thanks guys Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Quarter Time Podcast. We can't wait to bring you more netball chat and a super special guest next week. You are not ready for who we've got next week. I'm so excited for next week's episode already. It's going to be so good. Yeah. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at Quarter Time Pod for the latest netball updates. Do get involved in the conversation online by letting us know what you thought of the matches this weekend and which players have stood out for you. We would also really, really appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review as it helps other people to find the podcast. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please do let us know and do spread the word with your netball pals so even more people can get involved. Don't forget as well to take advantage of our exclusive discount with Lovell Netball by entering the code NETPOD15 at the checkout. And finally, on Friday 17th of February, we'll be hosting the London Pulse versus Team Bath game at the Copper Box Arena or Copy B if you're Lucy P. <laughs> So if you haven't got your tickets, guys, what are you waiting for? Get down there. It's going to be amazing. It'll also be on Sky if you watch it from home, so you won't miss out. But come on down. Come see us. If anyone sees us in the background on Sky, please send us screenshots. I need to show my mum, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, everyone. Take care and see you soon. Bye. Bye.